Today, I'm going to do the best that I possibly can to stay in my lane while also telling you why it is so important to stay informed about what is going on in Afghanistan, even if you're sick and tired of the news on this bonus episode of Indie Thinker. All right, before we jump into today's video, I wanna make sure that you know our sponsor, the Kevin Blair team is ready to help you finance your next home. Part of securing your family's future is finding the right home and you need to make sure you get Class A customer service to do that. And you need to get all the information up front if you're gonna do that. So you can do that and more by going to kevinblairteam.com. And even if Kevin can't help you, he will help you find someone who can. So go check them out today. All right, so I've heard from so many people that kind of the general consensus for the news lately is that they're horrible liars, they can't be trusted, and there's so much negativity, I just gotta tune it out. However, I don't think that we can do that on this Afghanistan thing. We need to be informed and we need to know what's going on so that we can pray for these people. And also, too, I think that, you know, concern and care and compassion means that we can't turn a blind eye when things like what's going on in Afghanistan are happening with our fellow uh, fellow human uh, human beings. So we need to pay attention uh, to that just for the sake of simple benevolence. But also, if you'll stick with me to the end of this video, I think that there's probably a moral to this story that I think um, extends beyond just this in particular story that I think is helpful for everybody. So a little bit of history before we uh, jump into what's happening presently. So prior to 9-11, Osama bin Laden declared that the U.S. was a paper tiger. He could do whatever he wanted to us and that we would never fight back. So he commits repeated assaults on the U.S., including the biggest, of course, flying two planes into the Twin Towers and one into the Pentagon. And from that comes the U.S.'s initial uh, engagement in Afghanistan in October of 2001. And since then, we've had an ongoing presence in Afghanistan. A little bit more to the present, Trump signed an order February of 2020 saying that we would withdraw troops, and he signed this order with the Taliban. In April, Biden announced that he would follow through with this plan and backed it with the most ridiculous symbolic gesture in human history setting the date for that final withdrawal to be 9-11. Now, I got to just stop right there and just say, I think ultimately the intention behind this was, and I'm trying to be charitable, well intended, but I cannot think of a worse thing to do than to signal to the Taliban that you have won by withdrawing all of our troops um, on the date of 9-11 so that they could come back into Afghanistan triumphantly and declare, look, on the anniversary of one of our greatest terror attacks, uh, we once again are triumphant. And essentially, that's exactly what happened. So uh, ever since Biden announced that he would follow through with this withdrawal and then began this withdrawal, uh, Afghani, uh, sorry, Taliban militants have been moving into Afghan territory and then taking over uh, territory, the latest of which was taking over Kabul um, just days ago, uh, which is the capital, of course. The president ran for his life, got out of the palace, and uh, slowly but surely Afghan, uh, Afghanistan is going to be taken over by the Taliban entirely. All right, so that's kind of what's been going on. Now, I want to address a couple of ideas that I think are so, so important for us uh, to kind of address. Okay, so the first thing is this, is that very early on, um, well, maybe not early on, but initially as this started to become a big news story, one of the things that happened is that people started comparing this to Vietnam for better or worse. All right. So the first of that uh, can be seen here. 
some, some Vietnamese veterans see echoes of their experience in this withdrawal in Afghanistan. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling- None whatsoever. All right, so nothing like Saigon. Yes, it's nothing like it except that it is exactly like it. So I'm gonna show you two pictures here. This one is of Saigon uh, and them withdrawing uh, people. And as you can see, there are civilians and other Vietnamese trying to get on this, this helicopter. And this one is in Kabul, Afghanistan with people that are storming the airport there because they want to leave desperately before their lives are ended by the Taliban as they are coming into Kabul. Now, um, you tell me, do these th two things look anything alike? Of course they do. And the reality is, is there are incredible similarities, but there's also some dissimilarities. So I want to dig into those really, really quick. And the reason I want to do that is because I think we need to get to the truth. And as you'll see, as I kind of come to the end of this video, why that's really, really important. I mean, I think the reality is too, is that it's so hard to trust the news media that we do need to turn to alternative sources. I am not a news person and I'm not here to try to truly keep you informed about these kind of stuff. I don't think that I'm uh, the best person for that job, but I do believe that I have some inside sources and people that I've been able to talk to that have informed me about some things that I think are going to be helpful for you guys as you kind of sort through this. But again, I want to try to paint a more broad picture of what's going on here so that we can apply it to our lives. So suffice to say, these two things are very similar and people are desperately trying to get out of Afghanistan right now because they know the alternative if the Taliban takes over. And so that prompted this video that I want to show you. Now, I want to show you this because I want you to have a deeper understanding of, of what is happening in the aftermath of the U.S. military leaving. But I do got to warn you, the video clip I'm about to show you is pretty graphic. So I'm going to show you people who were storming the tarmac in Afghanistan trying to get on a C-16 Air Force plane, and many of them accomplished it. Many more got on the plane, actually. Uh, here's a picture of that. Then we're even expected, but people were like trying to jump into the plane as the plane was about to take off, and some people were still hanging onto this plane, not inside the plane when it took off. So here is this video. Again, fair warning is a little graphic. Behind scenes of desperation. Others trying to flee the Taliban, clinging to the aircraft as it took off. At least four fell to their deaths. It's All right, now the reason I showed you that is because this is where the similarities to Vietnam start to kind of diverge. And uh, I also wanted to show you that to show you that there is a cost to not really caring about the repercussions of not acknowledging the truth. And the truth in this case is just simply that our presence in Afghanistan was that as a, as a deterrent. I, I think every military personnel person really knows this. This is being called an endless war a lot by people on the left, but people know this isn't an endless war. And since February of 2020 to the present, there has only been one service member who has died um, in Afghanistan from a hostile. So the point is, is that this, if this was an endless war, it sure didn't look like one statistically. And now we see as we withdraw that we were there actually not for nation building. We knew that we were never going to turn Afghanistan into a democracy. So I don't really agree with... Um, 
the isolationists who say we should just stay at home and we're not the world's police force. We're not the world's police force, but that's not why we were there. Everybody knows that the world is a better place with the Taliban not in charge of a whole country like Afghanistan and certainly not in charge of a place where we left with our hair on fire and left behind tons of equipment that the Taliban could then take and use for their own evil purposes. So we, we needed to really understand this was not a war. It shouldn't have been positioned or advertised as one. This was a deterrent for force to keep the Taliban from taking over. And again, it was working because look what's happening. And those people were so desperate when they knew that the Taliban was going to take over. So they knew what we are seeing now that they were so desperate to get on that plane that they were willing to do it at the expense of their own lives. People were jumping into the door as it was closing. And that's why two of those individuals were still on that plane when it took off and fell off the plane. So I guess all I want to say is at the end of the day, the truth matters and we were not willing to acknowledge it. It comes with a list of casualties. And unfortunately, this administration is going to have the blood on its hands of those people who are left behind. And then, of course, whatever happens as a result of Afghanistan falling into the hands of the Taliban. I know people are saying, well, just rip the Band-Aid off. I mentioned this. Rip the Band-Aid off, you know, because that's the best way to do it rather than to rip it off slowly. I don't believe in this case that that's the truth. And this brings me back to Another conclusion that I think I've drawn about this that I haven't heard anybody else talk about and I think is so, so very important. Inevitably, intelligence officials who were speaking to Biden, many of them told him not to do this. Though I'm curious to hear your reaction of this consequential speech by the American president, didn't run from it, he owned it. He owned his decision, he owned the fact that as he put it, the buck stops with him. I hope he gets to own their deaths too. I, I don't, I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. I was appalled. There was such a profound, bold faced lie in that speech. The idea that we planned for every contingency. I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. We sent them plan after plan on how to evacuate these people. Nobody listened to us. They didn't plan for the evacuation of our Afghan wartime allies. They're trying to conduct it now at the 11th hour. But there are intelligence officials, and I don't know for sure. So I'm just going to say that up front. So, so don't come back and say, well, you don't know, because I don't know, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know for sure that Lloyd Austin was advising him to, to withdraw troops like this, but this sure is eerily reminiscent of what Lloyd Austin, who is the Secretary of Defense, who is the leader of the Pentagon, it's very eerily similar to what he did in 2011 when he was overseeing the removal of troops from Iraq. And what happened is the vacuum that he created was then the place where ISIS moved in and took over. And, and it was done so on the basis of intel that was also provided by CENTCOM and Lloyd Austin, who really undersold how important and how devastating ISIS was at the time. And this is, this is corroborated by none other than Adam Schiff, so that you understand this is not some Republican railing against Biden or trying to cast blame. Adam Schiff said that Lloyd Austin had undersold how uh, devastating and how evil and how 
prominent ISIS was in the region. And as a result of it, they had to move back in after that 2011 withdrawal in 2014, and they had to bring troops back into Iraq to, to, to quell what ISIS was doing in the region. And so very similar We're going to have to do the same thing. In Afghanistan right now, we're already sending troops back, but when we send troops back eventually in the future, which will happen in even greater capacity, now we're going to do it without the strategic advantage that we had gained in the region now that we've left it totally. And again, with leaving behind resources that we've just placed into the Taliban's lap, and, and it's going to cost us, quite frankly, perhaps more lives of our armed men and, and women in the armed services because of the way in which we've, we've done this. So it just seems so eerily similar that I think it is important to note something, that the Biden administration has been so dedicated to equity, what they call equity and inclusion. Uh, and they've been so dedicated to virtue signaling by saying, well, hey, Lloyd Austin is the very first ever uh, director of the Pentagon, the secretary of defense, the very first ever black man. Well, congratulations. But there were a lot of questions when Lloyd Austin took office, not the least of which was he hasn't been retired for seven years and, he, and, and, and it's only been, I think, four, and he's not really supposed to be in office. Now, they waved that away, and then there were lots of questions about that Iraq situation and other things that he had done that made him somebody that really shouldn't have been the Secretary of Defense. Biden pushed that away so that he could have the brag of saying, the very first ever black Secretary of Defense under my watch. Well, the problem is this is when you go for what feels good rather than what is right and what is true, we always find ourselves in these situations. The best way I can think to explain this is in terms of my context. With Christianity, we, we, we want, uh, and this is so often the case with, with, with preaching in our modern day, we want a, a God that's more like a grandfather in heaven that approves of everything that we do, rather than the Jesus of scripture that tells us the truth and often will disagree with the conclusions that we come up with. And that's the beauty of scripture. But, but very often we're falling into the trap in the church, just like we are in the culture of doing what feels good rather than what is right. And, and these are the kind of complications and the kind of consequences that, that happen when we do that, what we're seeing in Afghanistan. All right. So what's the whole point of what I'm trying to get across here? Well, let me give you kind of a light example from last summer. So last summer, we learned that everyone who thinks BLM is a bunch of Marxist opportunists and that CRT is a racist, anti-intellectual idea is suffering from something. Now, regardless of your skin color, all those people who think that are suffering from whiteness. We even heard beloved pastors in America tell us that Christians who vote for Trump were exalting self and strife-stirring. So I've developed an equally helpful term for those who are not willing to look at the facts on the ground in Afghanistan and repent for their vote for Biden. We should call this inability to change your mind in the face of overwhelming evidence Democratness. Democratness. Now, for those who are pearl clutching right now and suggest that that kind of name calling doesn't help anyone in a situation like what we're in, I'd say exactly what 
does matter is not virtue signaling, but the truth. Let's push aside name-calling except in jest, the emotional arguments, the mudslinging, and get down to the facts. This move in Afghanistan has caused lies. Left over 10,000 American civilians unprotected while American troops are withdrawing, delivered two decades worth, totaling $83 billion worth of military equipment and investment into Afghan security forces that is now in the hands of the Taliban. The withdrawal from Afghanistan should be universally condemned for its lack of foresight and care for the repercussions. Even if there was no good way to do this, the way that we did it was about the worst way that you could do it. Can I do that? It's important to state that only, only, only because the world grounded in reality is the only world worth living in, and Christians and people of good conscience need to stand for the truth, rather than mere virtue signaling or what simply feels good. And this is enough of a cultural phenomenon I think it's important to talk about here. And if we're going to tell the truth about this incident, there's only two options in my mind. One, there is evidence of sheer incompetence. Or two, the only reason you would do something this awful, like the withdrawal in Afghanistan, would be on purpose as a distraction for something else. Now, I know that may open the door to a million different conspiracy theories, but the question is worth asking. If you've believed up till now that Biden was truly a competent and able body politician, that he was going to return our country to normalcy, you can only ask, you can, can't help but ask the question, is there more at play here? Why do it this way? But hear me on this. If you hear me on anything else, the truth still matters. The truth is not subjective. It's not a matter of personal opinion or personal experience. And the truth needs to be discussed beyond how it feels. The sooner we return to valuing the truth, the better our world will be. And the sooner we can embrace Christ and his ideas. Because I truly believe if you have a commitment to the truth, that's where you'll find yourself. Oh, and before you amen that, please remember, you can't tell the truth without the risk of offending others. Because in order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. I'd love to know what you think. Please make sure, leave a comment below and to share this with others. Thanks so much for watching. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.